For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. You, between you, me, the tree, rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Welcome to episode 370 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. Oh, we're way past the Loch Ness Monster. We are way past the Loch Ness Monster. That's Will Witten. That's me. Yeah. I'm Will Witten. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's I was good. thinking about the number of episodes. My bad. Yeah, buddy. Got a lot of them. Encroaching on big 400. Coming up on 400. It's impressive. It is. It's so, all of you, man. You keep this train on the tracks. I do my best. So, buddy, we have got a lot of Star Wars to talk about this week. Boy, am I excited. Me too. I'm kind of busting at the seams excited. Mm-hmm. So, we've got um, episode eight yeah, of Andor. Go ahead and start the episode because I was getting yeah. too chatty about some stuff. Uh, we got uh, episode eight of Andor and Tales of the Jedi to talk about this week. I love a busy Star Wars week not often that you get two pieces of new star wars content in the same week so i mean it's like a feast for us you know those of us that do a star wars podcast you can talk about kick-ass new star wars shows and star wars news mm-hmm. get out of here we eat that up oh yeah and there there is a big piece of star wars news that was floating around the internet to this week too i forgot all about that i'm glad you brought that up so, um, we are not going to do much new boot goofing. We're going to just fucking jump right in, you know? Right in, head first, deep end. So, listen, guys, what you need to do, what you guys need to do is you need to go to blueharvest.rocks, okay? It's the website that our buddy Sean Hoffman put together for us. You go there, you can find all our links to our Twitter, Twitch, and our Instagram, all handy, our merch store, all that kind of stuff, right? So check it out, blueharvest.rocks. You can also find uh, our Patreon there, patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast. If you want to support the show, um, you can, and you'll get access to our exclusive Patreon uh, subscriber RSS feed, uh, which is um, where we post all our cool bonus shows. This week, we got a brand new episode of Hall's Calls. We got my immediate reaction to Andor Episode 8. So go check both of those out. Um, 
one last little piece of business. I've been streaming over on the Twitch channel quite a bit. In fact, I just wrapped up a stream to come record this episode. And after Man, this episode, after this episode, I'm pretty sure me and Will might stream a little Fortnite. So hey, hey, come hang out with us sometime. Twitch.tv slash Blue Harvest Pod. And listen, I know big holiday weekend here, right? Halloween. You guys are probably getting all kitted out in your kick-ass or sexy costumes, going out and partying and having a good time. But if you're like me and you're spending Halloween alone with your cats, <laughs> come hang out with me on uh, Halloween evening. I think we're going to try and do a watch party of some sort of uh, horror movie on the Twitch channel. Oh, nice. Because that's a feature that they have sort of built into Twitch now through Amazon Prime. And I think you have to have you know, Amazon Prime a subscription and to Twitch. watch um but yeah uh if if i can make that happen that would probably be going live somewhere in the eight thirty central nine thirty eastern time on halloween on monday that gives me t- about 30 minutes after i get off work to get it up and running so oh boy um, come hang out liam's gonna be a ghostbuster for halloween oh that's that's cool and buddy the full kit and when i tell you the full kit I mean, this kid is Ghostbuster crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And his mom showers him with gifts because it's one of the ways she likes to show her affection. So this kid has the spirit of Halloween adult-sized proton pack that lights up and has sound, right? Amazing looking. I'm I'm mildly jealous it looks so good. Uh, he's got the ghost trap. He's got the PKE meter. That works. You know, lights up, arms go up. And he's got the Ray Stans goggles. I mean, the kid looks just like a Ghostbuster. That's and he's awesome. happy as a little, you know, pig in the mud. You know, when he's dressed up like tonight, he found that Ghostbusters 2 was on like Freeform or something. You know, the, everything's running Halloween movies and stuff. And so Ghostbusters 2 was on. He's like, Daddy, can we watch this? And I was like, yes, yes, you can watch Ghostbusters 2 for the like 79th time. And, <laughs> Like, I can't just walk away. Like, I have to sit there with them and cover, you know, make sure the kids cover their eyes for the scary part. But he goes and gets dressed up in his costume. He puts on the jumpsuit and like, gets all the gear, and that's how he watches Ghostbusters 2. And on the super exciting parts are during the commercials. He'll jump up and run around the house, like, as a Ghostbuster chasing ghosts. Oh, that's so awesome. It's super cool. It's super awesome. Every time he does it, it makes me smile. Man, that's cool. I honestly never thought my kid would be crazy. Like, I showed my kid Godzilla and Ghostbusters because I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, yeah, I drive for the scary parts. But, like, this is cool stuff, right? And I never thought that he would be as obsessed with those two things as he was. Well, look at him. Look at him. Way into Godzilla and Ghostbusters. Yeah. That's Mario. awesome, buddy. And Mario. Yeah, yep, he's big into Mario. I knew that, too. And I got the little girl, I got Olivia, a, a baby Ghostbuster costume because she wanted to oh, she go wants, around like, and she's got a tiny, she tiny wants, proton pack. She wants to be um, a Ghostbuster because her brother is going to be a Ghostbuster. Ghostbuster, Ghostbuster, yeah. Liam Ghostbuster. That's cool. Oh, it's man. It's cool. So when do you guys do trick-or-treating? Are you guys going to do Monday? Yeah, I'm going to okay. do Monday. I mean, it's Halloween. I know a lot of people do, you know, the weekend or do the Sunday before, but like, I mean, I want to trick or treat on Halloween, you know? Yeah, I mean, I totally get it. I just didn't know if like, 
you know, I don't got kids, so I don't do go fucking trick or treating anymore. So I didn't know how it works. Like, do you have to find out when the neighborhood has decided to do trick or treating? Some neighborhoods do coordinate and put out a letter, and they have not rules, but like, I mean, I guess you could call them rules, but more like what they're telling you. Everybody's gonna start handing out candy at this time. Everybody's gonna stop handing out candy at this time. You know, like just what the neighborhood has decided they're gonna do. Um, but I haven't seen anything like that for our neighborhood. I mean, it's just, and there wasn't one in the last neighborhood I lived in either. And maybe if I had looked on the Facebook group where you know mm-hmm. they invited me to that, but I am not into that. No, nope. I don't play nope. that. I do not play that. Do not bring that shit to me. <laughs> if you want to give orders, give them to each other. Don't you dare bring dare that bring shit to that me. Dare bring that shit to me. So, yeah, buddy, that's awesome. I love Halloween. Halloween's my favorite yeah. holiday, you know? Just, I think I've mentioned this before, but my family is big in, you know, big into Halloween and Christmas and Thanksgiving. Like, they do those holidays very big. Yeah, you know, I, I enjoy Thanksgiving, but more because that means, you know, family time, right? Which right. is in shorter supply once you grow up um right you know my two are my two big ones are halloween and christmas really uh both of those gonna be a bit of a bummer this year but figure eh, let's stream or something if i can't if i can't figure out the watch party i'll probably just stream a a spooky game until you're done taking the kids out and we'll play some Fortnite. i don't know man i don't know Mm -hmm. but uh listen we got a lot of star wars to cover so let's let's jump in. So I don't even know if we talked about it when this originally started breaking, but there's been a rumor sort of going around that old buddy Damon Lindelof is working on some sort of Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. I saw this. Um, the rumor has been going, it's been a couple of months that I think it first came up, but it seems like it's gaining some traction. It, it definitely seems like it is a thing. Um, now, the other side of this is not getting too damn excited about it because the turmoil of getting a Star Wars movie on screen before I fucking croak, <laughs> you know? Um, who knows? But it's a little hard for me not to get at least a little excited when you're talking about one of the dudes behind my favorite TV show of all time, Lost, right? Right. Um, so the first little bit of news that popped up that I saw was that there was a director uh, attached for the to the Damon Lindelof um, Star Wars project, that being Charmaine Obaid Shanoi, who directed two episodes of the Miss Marvel series on Disney okay. Plus, and then the Hollywood Reporter comes out with a a article this week on the 24th so like three days ago with some more information so i'm gonna i'm gonna read you a little bit of this article and then we'll talk about it a little bit the secret star wars project is being led creatively by damon lindelof was thrust into the open sunday night when it was revealed that charmine obide chinoy who directed two episodes of miss marvel was on board as helmer The project has been in the works for months, and while Lindelof is getting the Wookiee-sized share of attention, thanks in no small part to a pedigree that includes co-creating TV sensation Lost and shepherding the acclaimed HBO series Watchmen, 
he is by no means the only person involved in the project. In fact, if Lost and Watchmen, as well as The Leftovers, another beloved series Lindelof Creative, have shown anything, it's that one of the writer's chief talents is picking gifted collaborators. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that Lindelof is writing the new Star Wars script with Justin Britt Gibson, a young and rising writer who worked as an executive story editor on Guillermo del Toro's vampire drama The Strain and wrote episodes of Star's The Counterpart a series that deals with parallel dimensions and starred J.K. Simmons. Britt Gibson, however, comes to the job after a secret writer's room that began coming together after this year's Star Wars celebration. The room held a two-week session in July, and at the table were Patrick Somerville, who worked with Lindelof on Leftovers and then went on to create the buzzy Station Eleven, Raina McClendon, a consulting producer on Lucasfilm's own Obi-Wan Kenobi, and writer on the company's upcoming Willow series, and Andy Greenwall, the creator of the 2019 Rosario Dawson crime drama Briar Patch, among a couple of other writers. Dave Filoni, a protege of Star Wars creator George Lucas, who is involved in many of the shows, may have also been present. After breaking the story, Lindelof and Britt Gibson have been clacking away at the keyboards. Sources say the movie is project, project is intended as a standalone, but in success could lead to more movies. That plan goes against the grain of earlier Lucasfilm development processes, which saw the company try to come up with new trilogies. Now the studio seems to focus on standalones. And sources say that the story would take place, this is where it gets really fascinating, and sources say that the story would take place after the events of 2019 Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, although it would not be a, con a continuation of the Skywalker saga. It could, however, feature some of the characters from the Star Wars trilogy made in the 2010s. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm trying not to get too excited about this, man. Because, like I said, Star Wars theatrical releases have been a bit of a, a roller coaster ride since 2019. Just seems like there's been an issue getting something going and I hope that's not the case with this but I can't put all my eggs in that basket just to have my heart broken not getting the Damon Lindelof Star Wars yeah I understand um it sounds like they're really committed to this mm -hmm. it sounds like they have gathered a room full of experienced writers and it also sounds like they're ready to continue the story out of Rise of Skywalker but they don't want to do it with a trilogy of the same heroes they might flit in and out or whatever this next project is, but this may be the continuation of that time era. You know, they may they may let the heroes from the sequel trilogy be kind of phantoms that flit in and out. Yeah, I don't know, know. Once a season. Yeah, I don't know what what this would be because it's it's a movie, right? So like what could it end up being like if it's it's set after rise of skywalker could feature some of those characters i imagine that that all depends on who they can get back um it'll have to have a new main character to ride on yeah well then there's also you know daisy ridley a few months back a couple months back said that she recently had lunch with kathleen kennedy like was that what they were talking about was she being like hey we got damon lindelof working on this thing like maybe 
<clears throat> the quote-unquote may feature characters from the sequel trilogy sort of depends on if they can get them to sign on, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know, but I hope it happens. I hope that is... Because it doesn't... Uh, so, it's going to be 2025 before we see this movie, potentially. Mm-hmm. And the other two movies that are quote-unquote in the works or Taika Waititi's movie and Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron, which who knows if that is a thing anymore. Um, but with those being the two other two, I wonder, I don't know, man. It's still so far away. We're still looking at three years minimum before we see any of these, unless they decide to, oh, big yawn, release one of these not during a December release date, you know? Mm-hmm. But regardless, like, if one of those is going to get out before 2025, like, they've really got to get moving on it. That's true. But yeah, I, it could be, like, I could, I, the, the idea of a standalone Star Wars movie set after Rise of Skywalker that may, like, maybe sets the table for storytelling past... Rise sets the table, maybe gives you a little bit of closure on that sequel trilogy, and then points the ship in the mm-hmm. direction they want to head next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds appealing. You know? That sounds real appealing to me. I hope that is kind of what they're doing. Like, because we've talked about it, right? This next Star Wars theatrical movie has to be really impactful. It has to... The hope is that it kicks off the next decade plus of Star Wars movies, right? Right. So, I don't think it's a half bad idea to to have a movie that sort of sets the table post Rise of Skywalker and then opens up storytelling in that era. So you can do more movies if you if you get a strong trilogy idea or or a duology, whatever it may be, you could set it in that that time it, period. It, it might open up multiple time periods, depending mm-hmm. on what you're talking about and the events and how big they are. Some of things may have happened thousands of years ago that all of a sudden <clears throat> opens up an ancient era that you can now mess around oh. in. And, and listen, that's the other thing. Like, what's the Damon Lindelof weirdness that he's going to bring to it, right? That's part of the reason I like him so much, right? That right. lost weirdness, that leftovers weirdness, that Watchmen weirdness, that... The 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 2009 Star Trek reboot that he did with J.J. He wrote that. It's got some weirdness in it with fucking branching timelines and shit. What right. is the 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 Damon Lindelof je ne sais quoi that he's going to bring to Star Wars? That's what really gets me excited. If it's thematic, it'll be time travel. I hope it's not. I'm I'm okay with no time travel in Star Wars. So am I. I'm just saying Lost and... Um, what were we just talking about? What was that movie? Star Trek. Star Trek. That involves time travel. It sure know. does. It sure does. And I, I feel like Lost is one of, like, when you really sit down and look at the time travel element of Lost, it's one of the better executed time travel stories, I feel. Um, it's good because they don't give it, I mean, they kind of build to it 
Like you kind of have it figured out by the time. Yeah, it's, it's obvious everyone's it, in the past. The whole when or how the whole show is not about time travel. They don't introduce right. time travel until like the end of season four slash beginning of season five. And um, it's a super huge thing that fucks people up. Uh-huh. It's this thing they have to deal with. And it's, like it's got clearly defined rules for how time travel works and lost and shit. It's pretty fascinating. Right. So and it all relates back to that power. Mm-hmm. On the island. Which in um, itself is a mystery. Man. I really do hope this da- this Damon Lindelof Star Wars thing is... Because I don't know if you remember, buddy, back when they announced J.J. Uh, Abrams as being the director of Force Awakens, like I was pulling hardcore hoping that Damon Lindelof would be the writer. Um, right. but that was also right around the time that, uh, the second Star Trek movie came out, which Damon Lindelof also wrote. And that sort of started a, uh, internet Damon Lindelof backlash for a little while there. The uh, second Star Trek movie? Yeah. Con? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> so. I like that. I mean. I thought it was all right. I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was a decent con. Um. What did you think about Andor this week? Episode 8 of Andor. Oh, man. I liked it. It was kind of a bummer. Kind of a bummer. Um, but very well told. Watching him have to adjust to being, you know, shaken down for nothing. He literally did mm-hmm. nothing. He's serving six years for nothing. Dude, what's crazy is, like, so, you know, he gets taken into the prison, and then, like, he he sort of observes on his first shift day, and then afterwards they go back to the, the barracks or the, the places where they, they sleep, and the prisoners immediately start, like, sort of interrogating him about what's going on outside the prison and how they've, you know, done the all these world. resentencings and extending sentencings, which, yeah. by the way partially cassian's fault right it's because of aldani pulls off that job yeah he can't tell anyone right but like isn't that fucked like isn't that concept fucked up like so like he's confronted with the the consequences of his actions quite literally like yeah very literally like in a way where you know who would imagine that that specifically would be the consequences of that Aldani heist much less that you would come face to face with people that were directly affected by it right mm-hmm. um like just this look like this extended sort of intimate look at an imperial prison operation was fascinating to me yeah what the hell are they making in that factory it, it it looks like joints, like ambulatory joints for something. I don't know. Oh, oh. Maybe it's ATAT or ATST parts. I was wondering if it was from Star or, or uh, Death Star parts. Death Star parts, maybe Tie Fighter parts. Yeah, I don't know. But man, like the the concept of like all these different work groups, these prison work groups competing against each other. And the best table in each work group gets flavor in their food for the day. The best, yeah. The top gets flavor. The bottom gets shocked. Yes. Uh-huh. And, uh, motherfucker, like that's a horrible, a new experimental type of prison system. Uh huh. 
Cassian looked at those boots way too long. There's going to be something going on with them. Damn, there were too oh. many shots of those damn boots. Like, yeah, those big Kingdom Hearts shoes. Yeah. That's what they look like to me. Big goofy Kingdom Hearts shoes. They remind me of the jump boots in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yep, I get that too. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. the The boots are key to whatever this prison break is going to be, like big time. Um, and he's working it out. You see him thinking about it. Yeah, but like even so, like you know, there's a bit of a time jump in this episode because you see him on his thirtieth ship shift, which is probably you know about a a month into his stay. And I don't know, man. It kind of seems like he's just going about his shit. How would you even break it? Like that's what I can't wait to see, right? Like they executed the the heist arc so well that I can't wait to see how they execute a prison break arc. Well, I'll tell you this: he's wanted for like. He this lady suspects him of organizing the entire rebel, uh, or being connected with the person yeah, organizing yeah. it. You, like she, I don't think she thinks uh, he's Luthen. What is it that, that I can't remember the code name that they have for Luthen in the ISB? They give him some kind of fancy code name. Is it the asset or something along no, those lines? No, no, it's not the asset. He it's something very sort of vanilla. Very pedestrian, you know. I can't remember yeah. what it is though. Um, but yeah, man, I um, like just the opportunity to get that extended look at like a, <clears throat> a what a prison setup under the empire is like, and then what were those prisoners sign languaging with each other about? I don't know, but it's going to come into the the break the jailbreak yeah i that, was like oh this also is going to factor into the jailbreak for sure so what do you um, think uh something about the old man i don't know if they're gonna fake him going down or if he goes down for real oh, that's their opportunity there's something about the old man yeah the old guy in his work group is not long for this world i think that poor bastard yeah and dude how fucked up is it right that like so they say, okay, so they tell Cassian he's got a six-month or a six-year sentence. And his, like, his bunk, his little hidey hole in the prison has his sentence displayed with how many mm -hmm. days are left. And the guy tells him, like, don't pay attention to that because it'll double, it'll triple, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, who knows? Like, that's going to change. Don't put any faith in that, that, uh, that readout. So they just arbitrarily change that shit to keep them there working as long as and possible. You know, the most fucked up part of it to me as I was thinking about it was like, you exist in a hyper-technological realm. Mm -hmm. You have the ability to automate this process. You don't have to punish these people this way. You choose to. You choose to make this process done by people as a means of labor without having to maintain machines like and you grind people until they're done they're human robots like like they referred to the soldiers scraping off the top of the chernobyl reactor like human robots mm -hmm. yeah and just like for one i'll tell you what like if they they brought me into my little hidey hole and they're like look you you sleep here you poop here you eat your food out of a tube, you get your water out of a tube. I'd be like, all right, I'm cool with everything, but I ain't pulling this toilet out of the wall and taking a deuce in front of everybody. That immediately made me uncomfortable. 
Mm, yeah, that's, that's true. That's my limit. Just a maybe. Oh, there's some sort of privacy curtain. There is absolutely like not. There's definitely not. You. That's part of the shame and humiliation of poo poo. If you got a shower in front of a bunch of other dudes, you got a poo poo in front of a bunch. Oh of yeah, dudes. bro. You are you are dropping deuce. However and many that's times. That's not even you a to. shower. That's like a sanitizer mist or some shit. Funny that that came up the week after we were talking about uh, your dad's Sonic shower theory. Sonic right? shower in the Star Wars. Yeah. I thought that was pretty fucking slick. Um, don't like that Marva is sick. Do not want something to happen to Marva. Like, and it's inevitable. Yeah, I knew it was coming, but like, yeah, it's it, she. She is emotionally stirring, and her downfall is. As well, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want to see that old lady go. You love the fight in her. She's a rebel. You know, she's doing something with the time she has left. Love every part of that. Yeah. Um. So, uh, look, they didn't directly address it, but I kind of feel like the scene between Vel and Cinta, to me, was more evidence that she killed that Imperial family. She's a hard ass. Yeah, but I didn't see it. I still am not convinced. It's still possible, and I'm still waiting for that news to pop. It's but, not. Uh, At this point, it's not. This far out, I don't think it is. I could be wrong. It might get used in dialogue. You know, yeah. as, you know, if Vel tries to bring the point of how she's robotic or not human anymore, you know, without emotion, like, she could use that as a weapon. But I'm disappointed in Vel, like... Did you not just pull off this job, a leader in the rebellion, and you're ready to just, what, bounce or chill or do whatever? Hey, I get it, man. She wants to take a little fucking vacation, man. That, how long were they living out in the wilderness and now Donnie, like, her her partner just killed a, a woman and a child in cold blood? Like, let's chill I'm out for a second. I'm still not convinced. She definitely did. She I'm absolutely did. Dude, really? She one hundred percent killed them. I don't believe it. Yep, she killed them. She's got blood on her hands. I don't believe it. Um, also surprised to see old Saul Guerrero popping up already. I kind of figured they'd save him for like the the two episode finale. Um, loved that scene though. Like, and it definitely already shows sort of the paranoia and infighting between all the different types of rebel cells that are out there mm-hmm. like they are not oh, that's what i was using i now all of a sudden want a saw guerrero series oh. throw forrest whitaker in the get up show me how he gets mm-hmm. the busted breathing like show me him in his prime like show mm-hmm. all of it you know and this is the time give me saw guerrero show yeah yeah that would be so, like, you know, Cassian's got, uh, or Andor, rather, has a, a hard end, port, uh, end point, mm-hmm. right? But if old Tony Gilroy, after finishing up Andor, wants to keep working on Star Wars, I think a Saul's, like, partisans show, mm-hmm. um, with you know, with, like, two tubes and shit as characters could be yes. real cool. Yes. You mean, you know how Saul Guerrero goes. He goes in Rogue One. Right, right. Um, that single core Death Star ignition. Uh, yeah, and and clearly at this point in his life, he doesn't have the breathing issue, right? Right. Um, 
he's definitely scarred up and fucked up a little bit, but he he doesn't he's not at the point he is in Rogue One. Right. Um but I'm interested. I love that, can I just say I love that X Wing. That black and oh, yeah, white X Wing. Yeah, or whatever it is that I thought it was green and white, but uh the back and forth between Saw Gerrera and Luthen was good. I like I said, I want to see a show of how they met each other and some of their shit before this, and I like that. Yeah, I like that. Oh, like that. Um, yeah, I, I, this isn't. You don't think so? I know. Like the scenes with Saul that we saw in this episode, or the ones from the trailer, but he's going to be in this show more before the end of the season, surely, right? Well, I mean, I don't know. Even if he's not in this season, he'll be in the next one. It's clear that we're headed towards a Mon Mothma United Rebellion, right? Like, I don't know when they're going to pull in old Jimmy Schmitz. I don't know when they're going to pull in whoever else, you know, joins the rebellion by Rogue One, but. Because the rebellion, I mean, from what I remember, the way they play it in Rogue One doesn't really solidify and like become a cohesive thing until that battle in Rogue One. Like that's what creates everyone coming together to form the rebellion. It does kind of seem like that in in a lot of ways, right? Um, and you that, could, well, I mean, so, dismiss that a little bit, I guess. But like, so I feel like the rebellion is a lot more cohesive in Rogue One before the battle than it is right now, right? They've got a base set up. They've got, you know, like infrastructure and shit that doesn't seem like they have now, like at this I mean, point. It and, seems like you got an artifact shop with a ham radio. Yeah. And you are, like, you know, so scared that you're shutting down contacts at the drop of a hat. Right. Willing to kill your own operatives to tie up loose ends. No, exactly. Like they definitely seem... um but by, you know, by Rogue One, they've got the base on Yavin. They've got, you know, X-Wings and shit. So they're definitely more organized. But it seems like, yeah, the the Battle of Scarif or whatever is sort of like the final piece needed um, to, you know, unite them all under. Because there's a lot of infighting in Rogue One, right? Like all the senators and shit are fighting about what they should do about the death yeah. star and stuff and like some of them are like we don't want to do anything we don't want anything to do yeah. with this i'm not committing my troops to this is like you know yeah i'm not sending my navy for that um <laughs> um so yeah i don't know i don't know um but I think we got to see, like, it won't be this season, um, but maybe next season. I think we need to start seeing the coalescing of the rebellion into, yeah. like, that group you see on Yavin. I, I honestly do think we'll see them, like, sort of establish that base. That Yavin base. Um, but, uh, okay. Cassian may establish it himself. I mean, he may be part of it. I kind of feel like that's how this... Um, Um, this season ends. I think this season will end with Cassian uh, sort of committing to the rebellion fully, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because right mm -hmm. now he's just done that one job and he's like, I'm out. I don't want anything to do with this. 
he's fully part of the rebellion by Rogue One. So I think we'll see that maybe. I think doing his stint in jail may change his tune. An interesting thing is he's kind of protected in jail from the current heat that is coming down in other parts, especially going to jail on an alias. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's looking for uh, beef cargo. Our buddy, uh, friend of the podcast, Aaron Boyd, brought up an interesting point. Like, how does the Empire not have, like, facial scanning technology for their prisoners that would like pop up like they're looking for this dude and you know would be like some sort of cross match on it Um, in cassian's own words they're too arrogant to give a shit apparently well if, if if it's not that i think the in in the more sobering sort of dark way to look at it is they have so many prisoners that it's just an impossible task like oh yeah because this is just like this is just one prison planet right just right just one they were divvied up yep um and it might be a waste of computing power to keep up with it yeah especially if it's dangerous work and they're dying a lot they're talking about they just come to get the bodies yeah um so you saw one of the prisoners kill himself in the cell that was really sad yeah and then the one dude on on the cell block is like oh it's gonna smell bad all night or whatever it's like damn dude um so we not only got andor we got tales of the jedi what'd you think of tales of the jedi i really liked tales of the jedi i liked it too i liked it too uh i i'm letting out i was gonna say it turned out to be the ahsoka and count dooku show which is cool. Like to yeah. me, the most interesting shit in the show is the Count Dooku stuff. That's the stuff yeah. I found most interesting, and and it's nothing against Ahsoka. I love that character, but yeah, like the, Ahsoka's the look at Dooku with young Qui Gon and Dooku's disillusionment with the Republic and the Jedi, and then the Yaddle shit. It's really good. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think Ahsoka's strongest episode is the third one, uh, where she fights the Inquisitor, like you said. And then the second one is good, but like, it's kind. I mean, it's it's good in illustrating how tough Anakin was and how kind of dark he was about illustrating this lesson. But a lot of it was just like reinforcing why she was so badass at the end of a clone wars and right. i was like you don't need to explain why no, she's we so are, badass. It, 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 she is badass yeah i mean so for one thing i, I like you i guess you don't want to p- pass up the opportunity to see more anakin and ahsoka hanging out so i get that but True. like the first one i thought was was good sort of the ahsoka yeah. origin story but kind of slow the a little slow but beautifully animated and you want to talk right. about uh, the planet I want to hang out in on Star Wars now is that planet. Did you see all the animals? There was the little like the size of that tiger. Yeah, man, it was and, like a bear-sized tiger. And like those little dog raccoon creatures or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the squirrels, the space squirrels. That's my kind mm-hmm. of world, man. That's um, speaking directly to you. And like. They did such a good job with the Dooku stuff of just sort of like answering some questions. Like answering some questions and you really felt like you're in the prequel era again. Yeah. It, the the environment, those characters, it 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 reminded me how cool that era was. Like the pre-fall was kind of badass in its own right, you know. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that first episode with him and, and young Qui-Gon, that mm -hmm. takes place quite a bit before The Phantom Menace. Yeah, that was, uh, uh, what is it, Rob Roy? Is that who he was? That was like almost, you know, verbatim modeled after Liam Neeson's Rob Roy role. Um, I think that's the movie I'm talking about. I do like, I think it's pretty kick-ass seeing Dooku's lightsaber style with the blue blade. I was like, ooh, there's something about that. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it was Liam Neeson doing the voice when he saw him in the second episode. It was, and up. it was Liam Neeson's son doing Young Qui Gon. Oh wow! Um, the second episode with with Qui Gon and um, Dooku was pretty good. I liked the conversation between the two of them about Obi Wan and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then that last one, like, okay, first off. Shout out Bryce Dallas Howard. She was the voice of Yaddle. Right. Um, did a great job. She did. The sad, tragic thing, Yaddle to the end was trying to save Dooku. She was. She was. She, she believed was in pulling, her friend. She was pulling the Luke Skywalker from the end of Return of the Jedi. It was like, no, you know, I'm not going to fight you. Like, I know there's good in you and I can feel it. It didn't shake out in her favor this time. Um, but it is interesting to know what happened to Yaddle. Also interesting to know that, uh, she doesn't speak in riddles. This mm -mm. frees up Grogu not to have to speak in riddles. Like he no. could speak. It just, means, it just means Yoda is a little bit of a weirdo, I guess, which is fine. I yeah. always, you know, that's the thing. Like I never thought every one of Yoda's species needed to talk that way, right? Like, yeah, I was, I'm fine with the idea that that's one of the things that makes Yoda unique. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm cool. And with who it. knows the two of them may not have grown up on the same planet. Who knows? You know? Yeah. I mean, we, we know so little about their race. We have three now, Yaddle, Yoda, and Grogu. Grogu. Um, yeah, I, uh, I thought that was pretty cool because the question's always been like, what the fuck happened to Yaddle? She's yeah, in the background exactly. of the Phantom Menace and no, no, doesn't have a single line. And then she's just not she's never to be seen again. And well, now we know. And it ain't good. Filoni was sitting around. He's like, got to explain what happened to Yaddle. He's like, gotta, I got it. They got to see it. Um, I like that Dooku pushed back on Palpatine a little bit. He was mm -hmm. like, you've gone too far. Mm -hmm. Um, But man. I like uh, so the peace and love and listen I love the character of Ahsoka this is not anything against Ahsoka I just want to make that clear I'm I kind of with you Will I don't think that second episode is super necessary the first yeah. one I enjoyed the third one I thought was really good now that being said that tells a story that was depicted in the Ahsoka novel that came out a few years ago and from what I remember and understand based on what people are talking about online does not follow it super well. Yet another case of the Star Wars books and comics are canon until they're not. Until somebody decides to adapt it in some other form. Right. Um, I, did, I thought the design of the Inquisitor was incredible. I thought the oh, vibe yeah. was really cool. You know, that's where she gets the crystals to make her white lightsabers is she takes the crystals out of that um inquisitor's 
lightsaber and purifies them. I did not know that. Yep. And that's how she that's gets cool. the white blades. Um, why does his head de- like deflate? I don't know. I was wondering that too because like he's the, is it like, an attempt to not show blood and gore? Maybe, maybe he's like a smoke guy. You know what I mean? Like his suit contains his smoke form. I don't know. I was wondering that too. I was wondering that too, because like their bodies don't disappear. They're Sith. They don't become one with the Force. Well, he's not even a Sith. He's a dark side. Whatever. Whatever. Semantics. But yeah, I was wondering that too. Why his his head deflated? Um, and it, I, you're probably more on the money with your, your guess is that it was maybe, uh, an attempt to make it a little less graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you kind of see Boba pick up the helmet. Like, yeah, if you look closely, you might can see the head fall out, but like for the most part, Boba just picks up the helmet. It's not like the head plops out right underneath. Well, so if you watch the movie, right, and you play yeah. it real slowly, when Django's head gets cut off, you see the shadow of his head come out of the helmet and go in a right. different direction than the helmet, which is, I mean, whew, give it up to old Georgie boy. That is some detail to look into there, buddy. Yeah, he, I mean, he had it thought out. Um, Now, Listen, I'm cool with them using the name of one of my favorite Star Wars comics ever to make this animated show. But if there's more of this, it better not just be like the the deleted scenes from the Clone Wars going going forward, right? Yeah. Oh, did you catch? uh, Did you catch Kanan in that one episode? Kanan and Depa Balaba, his his master. No, um, I didn't. So after Ahsoka finishes her training with uh, Master Sanube, like when her and Anakin are meeting and he's like, that training's dumb. Um, yeah. That little dude and in, in his Jedi Master that go by, that's Kanan. That's Kanan and his Jedi Master. Oh, okay. So. Um, for real, though, that's some shit Anakin would say. Uh-huh. Testing really, that's a dumb test. Yeah. That is 100% an Anakin thing. Uh, all right, buddy. Well, let's uh, let's jump in and hear from some of our friends because I have a feeling there's going to be lots of Tales of the Jedi and Andor talk to get us through the rest I, of the episode. I agree. Ah. Uh. R.I.P. Leslie Jordan. For you guys that don't know that Lord of Half Mercy, I'm about to bust soundbite is from him. He was delightful. I think, you know, people 
were familiar with him before, but I feel like he really became sort of known during the pandemic because he would fucking new yeah. boot goof on uh, Instagram, and it was always really funny. So shout out to that dude, man. I was real bummed to see that he passed away. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, let's one one more time for old time's sake. This is our buddy Leslie. Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. Have mercy, I'm about to bust. Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. Okay, three more times, I guess. <laughs> um. Oh my goodness, I accidentally hung up on Will. What an asshole I am. Maybe Will hung up on me. connection went down it said poor connection and oh. then all of a sudden i couldn't hear you anymore well that sucks so it seems like no. it's working now seems like it's working now okay well let's hear uh let's kick it off with our buddy jim let's hear what he has to say good evening awesome will how the hell are you uh cassian and or kicks oh my god here we go here Technical we go good Technical. evening awesome will how the hell are you uh, Cassian and or kicks ass. I don't need to elaborate. It kicks major ass. Um, so that being said, I think that Cyril looks like a mixture of Tobey Maguire and Kyle McLaughlin, McLaughlin from Twin Peaks. Yes, that is, and also. If you buy that cereal, that Star Wars cereal, I sure hope it turns your milk blue. That's basically it. <clears throat> I got a question. So, uh, what's missing from Andor? What's actually what's missing? Like when I saw that episode that was on the on the beach, and that alien was laughing. How how much I liked it made me realize that there's not... I would like more of it in Andor. But it's like, you know, as much as I love this, and I really do think that it's some of the best Star Wars that we've gotten uh, since the Disney era, um, you know, if it stayed like this forever, I wouldn't like that, you know? And I'm, so I'm just basically trying... But I can't... that. It's hard to explain. I need my campiness. I need my lizard up the nose. I need my random bullshit, you know, way too many extras dressed up in the back, you know. Well, what, what, what's missing, gentlemen, from this fucking awesome show? All right. Love you guys. Ignite that fucking green. Something tells me our buddy Jim might have been a knight in the green before that voicemail. And I'm here for it. No judgment. I mean, clearly. Something tells me he might have been a little stony baloney. Um, Honestly, I wouldn't... I don't feel like Andor is really missing anything. I haven't felt that way. So I can't really point to anything specific. Um, I'm kind of with obviously Jim. Obviously, it's missing the force, 
but yeah, but I, I think you know you, you don't, don't want. I, yeah, I think this is like it. It's definitely missing that, but I think it is missing the silliness. I mean, you know, which I don't necessarily miss. Um, and like you said, though, if this was if it were all not a little bit silly, I would be sad. Yeah, you know, it's I, missing more droids, I guess. The one droid at Cassian's is fine, but like, you know, other than the the snotty the bruiser K two unit, like, there aren't the charming droids are missing. I, to me, that is. I'm with you both. Like, I think it could use a little more weird alien shit, right? Um, like, you know, maybe just throw a couple of aliens in the Imperial uh, prison. Seems a little weird that there's just, like, humans in there. Throw a frog dude or a frog lady in there. I'd be happy. Yeah, you know I what like I mean? Um, yeah. <clears throat> but otherwise, like, I don't know that it's really missing anything because it is its own thing, right? And we're... Mm-hmm. For Star Wars to stay fresh and interesting and, and live on and continue on, it's got to be its own thing. We have to be able to let each different Star Wars project be its own thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I like like Jim was saying, like you're saying, I could deal, I could go with a little more weird alien shit, a little more droids, a little more droid stuff, and uh, maybe just like a sprinkling of like some funny ha-has. Just a sp- I'm not looking for it to be, you know, gut splitting, funny, but just a little, just a little taste. Finnick Shand is funny. She's sarcastic funny. Yeah, yeah. In Book of Boba Fett. All right. Next up, we got one from our buddy Neil. What's up, Paz and Will? It's Neil giving you a call from Chicago, uh, calling in about episode eight of Andor, Narkina Five. Um, this is definitely uh, another great episode. Uh, this show does not disappoint week after week. Um, but it, each episode has this like distinct focus uh, that I think uh, does a great job of highlighting what they want you to see while still providing uh, an overall narrative. Uh, in this case, I think we're given a, a much greater look at the machine that is the empire you know they're good at producing machines legitimately like actually machines in that prison but they're also good at producing human machines in this case seven guys at seven tables uh you know on seven different floors you know i think is what they described it or i'm sorry seven guys at seven tables and seven rooms on seven different floors in that prison um, all producing what looked like, you know, 12 or 14 piston engines for walkers or some kind of battle armament of some sort. Um, but this is just one platform on that planet. We saw like six in the shot coming in. You know, that is truly on a level that I, I can't even fathom how they keep that much, uh, that much workforce going um you know i guess you know cyril as a character you're giving an inner looking at the actual you know what they need to do to keep track of it they have pods of people just calculating data and uh, you know recording stuff and it's a very like big brotherish just always there on every level of every single planet 
Uh, you know, that's what I feel from this show with the Empire. But despite all those odds, the Rebels have not given up hope. Um, you know, we still have, you know, people like Val and Cinta uh, who are surveilling, just looking for any clue of Andor, uh, as you know, that is the directive they have, get, they have been given. That's the direction they are told. This is where hope lies, finding Andor. Um, you know, We're and in this case, him. we pretty much have all the major characters interested in, in him at this point. Um, I am excited to see where this show goes. Um, obviously, they're going to break him out of prison in the next two episodes. Um, so that will be impressive. I really hope uh, that that electric floor, that tungsten line metal floor that they electrified everyone on, um, I'm hoping that gets used against the guards or used against some Empire official or something to that effect, because that will be very satisfying. Uh, but once again, thanks again for all you do, boys, and hope you have a great day. Uh, buddy, I think they're, I don't know if they think the hope lies with Andor. I think they want to kill his ass, like Will yeah, said. I think they're there to kill him. Yeah, I think they view end. him as a, a loose end, and they want to kill him. Um, now, um, shit, he said something that I wanted to circle back around to. Oh, first off, I love when Neil sends in a uh, voicemail. Big fan of the Chicago accent. Reminds me of um, the Blues Brothers. Oh, I know what well I wanted to say. Well thought out questions. And uh, yeah, I, I, that's that's the the listeners in general. I do have something I wanted to add. Uh, he was talking about Cyril. I love that Cyril is such a petty little asshole that he is reporting Cassie and Andor for shit unrelated to the only way there. he can. Right, like he's trying to fuck with him the only way he can. He can. And, like, look, Cyril, Cyril is a shithead, by the way. We just want to establish this. He's a shithead. He's a snotty little fucking brat. Um, but I get that level of pe petty. I have someone I hate on that level, right? Mm -hmm. That if I could do that, I would. And this dude is one of the shittiest people that ever existed, right? Nice. So uh, I get it. I kind of get that level of pettiness. But... When I decide to do it, it's going to be with facts, not not false reports. So yeah, I do kind of like I did like watching Cyril kind of stand up for himself and his ability and make a play for a better job with the commander, uh, Commander Mirren, I guess is her name. Dedra. Uh, Dedra. But uh, I like that. I liked him. You know, he was reaching for the stars, trying to get out from where he'd been put. You know. I know he's the villain, but there's some sort of redemption in his future. I wouldn't be surprised if he flips Rebellion. I've seen a couple people wonder if that's going to happen, and I, I I, don't know, man. I think he's all in on being a fucking bootlicker. No, dude. The second Cassian put a gun to his head, he pissed himself. He has He's scared. And yeah. most people that are scared cling to authority and power because they're scared. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean, there's a lot of show left. I mean, we got four more episodes this season and then another 12. I'm assuming that Cyril will continue as a character in the next season. Maybe he doesn't even make it out of the first season. They've spent so much time telling his story. 
referencing his obsession with Cassian, he's not just going to hand it off for Deirdre to finish up. I'm like he's going to try to finish it himself. Yeah. And you're talking about them not have facial recognition. He's the one that still got his face, you know, a young face, but he's still got a copy of his face. Right. But I don't I, I mean, I don't think he's just going to like pass the case off to her. Like I think he's going to want to team up with her. You know right. what I mean? And and um that's how it'll progress. Right. All right. So let's see who next voicemail. This one is from our buddy Rick Villanueva, also from Chicago. Hey, Haws and Will, it's Rick. And uh, listen, I, be- I meant to do this last week and uh, I forgot. But I want to bring up something about Andor. First of all, you know my thoughts on this show. It's fucking killer. It's one of the best things out there, right? There's been a lot of good shows lately, but this is probably top top tier for me. But Haas, my man, I got to push back a little bit on your sent to kill the hostages she killed theory. No, I'm right. Now, Rick. I know part of your evidence was the fact that she appeared to be crying as she left the garrison in episode six. And then episode seven, we just kind of see her flying away and her little um the old Donnie scooter thing she got there that she cobbled together um and then this last episode we see her meet up with Val on um on Ferrix. now here's why I got to push back against your theory I just listened to your immediate reaction for eight and you you're going all in and that's cool right because we can read these situations in two different ways so we know she's cold as ice Right. But I think if there's anything that's going to make her cry after leaving the garrison, it's being separated from Vel. All right. And I've heard this uh, from some other people, too. But again, I meant to call this in last week. So I think she is cold as ice. She has seen some hard things. She has done some terrible things, probably. But I think the way she kind of throws that little jab at Vel is kind of her way of. I mean, it's like it's like poking fun at your best friend kind of thing, even though they're not best friends. It was nice to see an actual lesbian like acknowledgement in Star Wars on screen, you know, gay couple on screen. So kudos uh, to representation there. But uh, Mm -hmm. again, I think if there's anything that's going to make her cry, it's just that separation and kind of not knowing 100 percent what's going to happen next. So their Mm -hmm. reunion today, to me, kind of bolsters my thinking that she didn't kill the hostages killed them. and that her crying was that she knew that she was going to have to spend some time away from Vel. So two different ways to read the exact same situation. Um, I don't really have any questions or anything. I just wanted to throw that at you guys and uh, Hawes will my guys uh, y'all are the best. I love the show. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Rick. So listen, you and will are in a very exclusive club that you're only in this club and this one thing, and that's the club of guys who are wrong about what Senta did to that mom. And that I'm kid. telling you, man, you have okay. You know when we talk about uh, Slave Leia in Jabba's palace, and you're like, no, uh, no, nothing... no, 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 no. Let, let's let's not use no, 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 no. Hold on, we're not we're not touching this. We're not touching this, buddy. This is uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh, I'm pushing. You say I'm there's pushing. none of that. That's fine, but there's. 
heroes, cold-blooded, murdering hostages that have no self-defense. Yes. I don't think there's that from our heroes in Star Wars. I, I'm sorry. I think, I think wrong. she killed maybe Buddy. the soldier guy and let the, the wife and kid go. Uh, because it would completely invalidate Vel's previous statement of, oh, because that's what you would do. Like, yeah, we're not like you, you know. Well, if you killed a family, you're exactly like Yeah, but that's you're Vel that like said them. it. That's Vel that said it. And it's very clear in the scene with her and Senta hanging out in the cafe or whatever that, like, like they're, they're clearly in love, like they're a couple. But Senta is not, like, some warm, romantic feelings type of person no, in no. this relationship. No, no, I don't, I, I don't right? agree with that take so, about it, though. Senta is ready to die. Yeah. That, Senta that, is ready to die for the cause, and I get ready to do anything she has to. I'm not convinced she killed an unarmed woman and child. Okay, so... Definitely okay. maybe the officer. Listen, in this same series, right, in this same series, we've seen potentially an entire village of uh kids get killed after the incident on Cassian's homeworld, right? Canari. We saw She says there was no survivors, but there's probably going to be his sister probably survived. Regardless some of those some if not most of those kids got killed. Secondly, we saw a suicide in this last episode. That is equally as dark as Cinta killing someone. Again, like, I don't think so. Because that's the hero. It's supposed to be a rebel. Yeah, but the whole point of this show is the that like, it, it's like uh oh uh, um, what's his name? Benicio del Toro says in in the that his whole thing in the Last Jedi about like, you know how both sides do fucked up shit essentially as a paraphrase. I, I agree, but it. It makes it seem like to fight the darkness, you have to become the darkness. Well, I don't think that if she killed that 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 family, that the the message is that she did the right thing. Nor do I personally think that that's the right thing to do in that situation. I'm not saying that, nor have I ever said that. I just think that's what happened. I think you're seeing that, like, like just how the the you know rebellion as a larger organization in Rogue One doesn't really vibe with. Saw Guerrera because they feel like his tactics are too, like, too too strong, right? Like they feel like he goes, he crosses the line. Like I think in these earlier days of the Republic uh, rebellion, there are people that are going to cross the line. And Cinta, she didn't cross it; she sprinted across it. She fucking spiked the football and ran into the fucking stands to go watch. I'm the telling you, man, it's a bait and switch. They want you to believe that. I'm, te in, in I'm telling the you the end of the season or next season she did not kill I'm telling that, you right now wife and if child. it is not addressed that those two are still alive by the end of the season then they are dead she killed them and it won't be brought up again it will not be brought up again if there's no answer to this but in the next four episodes she killed them they're dead and they're not bringing it up again if they were alive they would bring it up if they do not bring it up again there is a there's two there's three graves there's the grave for the commandant there's the grave for the wife and then there's a smaller grave for that kid that was also in House of the Dragon. You don't even know the commandant's dead. You just know he had a heart attack and hit the ground. He's one hundred percent okay because he hit the ground and then laser bolts started popping off like a pinball machine. 
He well, he he was already down. He feigned death in the middle of a gunfight. No, nah, he didn't feign. I'm telling you, he didn't feign death, but he had a heart attack. You know, yeah, he's dead. We're talking about Star Wars. You go hypo spray his. Uh, you know, you take care of a heart attack. But and where's the time, Will? You know what I mean? Like he hit the ground, and then there's a 15 minute fucking shootout, right? He had to take a shot or two, like a stray shot or two. Hell, if I was running by that guy trying to get on the ship and get out with them credits, I'd probably pop a couple off on him on the way. He's an asshole. I'm telling you. I'm not disagreeing. I'm telling you, Cinta killed that family. Blood on her hands. I'm telling you, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think the 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 line where she's saying, like, you love me because I show you what you don't want to see or whatever it is, is like a a window into the kind of character she is which is like the kind of character that's going to show people stuff they don't need to see or do things that other people want and do that she thinks once again i'm not saying she's in the right by doing that i want to make that expressly clear but i think in this this which being the closest we'll probably ever get to like quote unquote r-rated star wars right I think they're they're telling that kind of story where just because the rebels are on the good side doesn't mean every single member of the rebellion acts like we expect our Star Wars heroes to act. If that is the case, she's going to have to die soon. She can't make it out of this alive. Because that's kind of the Star Wars thing. I 100% agree. You pay for your sins with self I 100% agree with you about I don't think she will make it out alive. Just like, you know, Cassian doesn't make it out alive, right? And Buddy, if if we see Cassian, right, ice that guy at the beginning of Rogue One, and then the rest of Rogue One is him, you know, slowly becoming more heroic to the point where he essentially sacrifices himself to, you know, get the Death Star plans to the rebellion mm-hmm. and save the galaxy and shit start you know the the domino effect of the empire's fall we're going to see cassian do some fucked up shit for the rebellion next season yeah but not women and kids you're not going to see him kill a wife and a child i i'm not saying they're that they're not going to even imply that well they sure enough applied it about the implied it about senta that's they implied sure. about Cinta. I guarantee that's coming back. I don't think it is. I don't think it's ever going to. They had If it's their not, chance. she's a villain. If she's staying a hero, that's got to come back. No, buddy, you're you're looking at this in way too of a black and white situation. Like we have been I raised. I, I know I am. To look at Star Wars. This is taking Star Wars in a different direction. Like that's the whole I'm, point of it, right? I mean, that's fine, but. I mean, I'm I'm searching right now just to see. I have to because I haven't looked at the larger discourse about this. Uh, Andor, always want to call it <clears throat> Cassian. Yeah, I always want to call it Cassian. Since it's not one of the dying, but they're very much left up in the air. Once over her shape, she leaves the Imperial base and joys them. Leave Cinta Storm. Imperial Muslim. 
This should be oh, this is screen rant. Get the fuck out of here, goofy bastards. Um, let's hear from Josh. Hello there, Haws and Will. This is your internet pal, Josh. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. Loving the podcast. Uh, loving all the great Patreon uh, content as well. Um, folks, if you haven't uh, subscribed to the Patreon, uh, you don't know what you're missing. Good, good stuff. Um, speaking of good, good stuff, we had a big uh, Star Wars day on Wednesday. Um, um, I liked all of it. Um with the Tales of the Jedi, um, I liked it as a whole. Uh, I thought the Ahsoka stuff was was good. Um, the first one was really interesting. Um, it almost had the feel of like a myth or a folk tale to me. Um, the bit at the end where she's baby Ahsoka's riding the space tiger um, it reminds me a little bit of the song um, "Holy Diver." I ride the tiger anyway. Um, Anyway, um, I really like that. Um, and it's a big emotional impact, uh, with the final Ahsoka shorts as well. Um, uh, same with the Dooku stuff. Um, I didn't really like episode two or short two, um, with Dooku. I, something really weird about his voice kind of threw that whole episode off for me. I think they tried to raise it artificially cause he was younger, but you know, when Christopher Lee was younger, he still had that kind of deep baritone voice. So I'm not sure what the point of that was. Um, anyway, uh, some big emotional impact with the, uh, final, um, um, Dooku, uh, short as well. <sighs> I can't believe they iced my girl Yaddle. Um, that was, <laughs> that was really kind of a gut wrenching scene. And it's good to see like Yaddle go from something of a, something of a punchline with a weird looking puppet. Um, to a real, like fairly fleshed out character, um, who kind of was there at a very important moment. Anyway, um, whew, it's starting to run long already. Um, but my questions, um, I had were about Andor. Um, I really like this episode this week, just fascinating stuff, kind of a look into the kind of carceral system as we, as we say, um, in, uh, in the empire. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, I had a couple questions uh, for you guys about that um, episode. Um, first of all, I really love that conversation um, between Cinta and Vel. Um, really, like heartfelt and emotional, and you felt the emotional connection between them, but you also felt the real kind of coldness uh, with Cinta. Um, even looking at her face, she looked hard, which she absolutely was. Um, anyway, my question is. Um, <clears throat> it comes out that Vel is a rich girl running away from her family. Do you think her family is someone we've, um, encountered before? Like, could she be a long lost, uh, daughter of some rich family? Um, um, maybe Mon Mothma's long lost daughter possibility, or maybe the Santecas or one of the other kind of rich aristocratic families we've run off of. We've uh, run into, sorry. Um, anyway, what do you think about that possibility? Uh, second one is, um, get some more insight into Luthen's character here, which is really cool. Um, but it has me wondering, do you think Luthen will survive the series? Hmm. And follow-up question, do you think he'll survive the season? 
Um, I'd be interested to know what you think. Um, anyway, sorry for the long voicemail. Um, a lot of stuff to talk about. Hope you guys are doing great. Um, thank you uh, for all that you do and the great podcast and may the force be with you. Thanks, buddy. So the prevailing theory that I've seen people tossing around about Vel and who her family could be is like, I see some people that like are kind of convinced that she is Luthen's daughter, um, which would be kind of fucked up, but I guess that could be the case. Uh, to me, that's another one of those things where they don't throw in, well, I don't know, like the way they throw threw in that line about like um, a rich a rich girl running from her family or whatever does make me think that there's more to that that we're going to find out later, but I don't know for sure. I don't think she's going to end up being Mon Mothma's daughter. The age of that doesn't seem like it lines up. No. Um, I, I had the gut feeling that it was Luthen's daughter mm-hmm. simply because the amount of flack that she gave him about taking Cassian in the first place. Yeah, like, I, that's that's been one of the things. In most military structures, you just say, okay, yes, sir. Like, you know, she had herself a little attitude. Well, it's also, I don't think you could really call this a military structure, buddy. Not at this point. Well, you know? I mean, I know, but like uh, um, e- any professional, you know, executive, you know, you have when you have a boss or a leader or a, a sergeant or whatever. Yeah, but they're just not at that point yet. But what you're saying, that that point, is one of the things I see people bringing up. It's like how she is with him in that scene. Like, that mm-hmm. seemed to be like even before that line about her coming from a, a, a rich family seemed to be something that people sort of latched onto as uh, you know evidence that she might be his daughter. She rolling her eyes so hard, the man snaps at her and says, look at me. And he said, you wanted responsibility. I'm giving it to you. Like, this is what it's like to leave. Yeah. Um, now, Luthen making it out of the series, I don't know. I just hope he makes it out of this season. So we get more of him in season two. Yeah, I was going to say it's a 50-50. 50-50 shot. He makes it out of the first season. I don't think he makes it out of the series. I think, uh, yeah, I don't think he makes it out of the series, and I think it's because he gets caught. Like, I think he messes up or, or gets too, I don't know how it is that he gets caught, but, you know, it's one of those things. Maybe like, his assistant turns on him. Obviously, him the, you know, the fact that he's not part of, you know, Rogue One or the original trilogy you could use as like a, okay, so something has to happen to him before that. But mm-hmm. as we've seen, that doesn't always have to be the case. Like the rebellion's a huge organization. Maybe he's more affiliated with the more uh, extreme versions or the more extreme cells of the rebe- rebellion um, after Andor. Yeah, but... Saw asking him about where his politics fell um, was interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, we got. He very much gave a non-answer. We got one um, from David. Hey, Hoes and Will, it's your pal David Dublin, um, first time caller, long, long, long time listener. I just had a question. I just got to watch Andor, and I'm thinking it could be just stupid, but um, is that Andy Circus character? Could that be like the original, the original kind of? Palpatine's 
kind of template for Snoke. The guy's getting out of prison soon. Uh, we hear a lot about Palpatine's political motivations and what he's up to right now. Are we about to hear what he's doing to Jedi kids? Well, Force-sensitive kids at the time. And um, like the guy is getting out of prison soon. Um, maybe he's offered a deal to get out. I don't know. I just thought you guys would kick it around or kick it into the long grass. Hope you're both well and keep it coming. Thank you. Love Blue Harvest. Thanks, David, buddy. Thanks for yeah, sending man. a voicemail. Absolutely. So, I don't necessarily think that he's going to be related to Snoke in any way. And not from any sort of storyline perspective, right? It's more from a, I don't know that Tony Gilroy, the guy behind this show, would be like, yeah, let's let's make a connection to this character that everybody loved in the sequel trilogy, you know? <laughs> um like, yeah. this is a show that is not doing the Star Wars leaning on connections. Like, it features characters that we know, Mon Mothma, so on and so forth. But it's kind of appropriate based to the story. Um, right. Now, I do think, I, I do legitimately think that we're seeing seeds of the Snoke storyline and character in the Mandalorian stuff. Right? I think that's where we're getting that story. Like, you know, we saw the little turd in a jar sort of proto-Snoke in that one episode. Um, you know, a part of me thinks like, well, then why do you get Andy Serkis to do it again? And honestly, I think you do it because he's Andy Serkis and he fucking nailed that role. Yeah, right? he's a badass. Um, now, if Andy Serkis was in that role and he was doing more of a Snoke-type voice, whew, then maybe maybe we'd be looking at something different. But I don't think it's necessarily. Um, and you know what's funny is, you know, like, okay, if 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 what I think is correct, right, and it's not meant to be a tie-in to Snoke, you know that discussion was had, right? They, You know that they were like, well, look, like, we love Andy Serkis. He's amazing. But if we cast him in this, you know they're going to think um, it has something to do with Snoke. And I imagine, like, the conversation went, yeah, but it's Andy Serkis. And it's not like we're going to have him in the makeup. And Dave Filoni's like, he's going to be a criminal. <laughs> Locked away in a prison. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think old David, ha David Filoni, not David that sent us the voicemail. I don't think old David Filoni had anything to do with this show. Um, you don't think so? No, nah, no. Nah, this, this one, I mean, given the fact that this one was, you know, pretty solely produced in the UK versus... Um, you know, where they shoot the Mando stuff and the mm -hmm. fact that, like, I don't think you can understate the sort of Tony Gilroy involvement with this one, right? Um, it Because there was a lot... Um, there was a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes stuff and changes and things like that. Um in the process of making this before they got Tony Gilroy involved. So I think he is the dude on this show. You know what I mean? That's, that's the sense I get. Ugh, mm -hmm. That is an ugly ass motherfucker on Instagram. Jesus Christ. It just snuck up on me. Um, okay. Let's do some emails. Uh, we got a big one right here. Do you remember last week when I was talking about our buddy Oliver, huh? Mm -hmm. From Sweden. He still listens. Mm -hmm. 
He sent in a v- really. Hey, Halls and Will. I just finished episode 368, and you guys mentioned the Swedish catfish, Oliver, who used to write in a couple of years ago. Yes, it is me, Oliver, and of course, I'm still listening to the podcast. I haven't written in since probably 2017, which makes me surprised you still memory remember me. Buddy, I got a good-ass memory. Um, I still remember when I first heard the podcast. I was 15 years old in my parents' basement. The episode was titled Han Solo Is... It was episode 39. I thought it was hilarious and fell in love right away. I am now 22 years old studying civil engineering. He's a goddamn genius, Will. My man. During my morning commune, I usually listen to Blue Harvest or High Potion. I'm so happy that you guys have kept on doing the podcast all this time. Fortunately enough, I did not make a hateful Reddit account after watching The Last Jedi. However, I have to admit that I was not a big fan of the direction they decided to take the sequel trilogy. I'm glad for everyone that enjoys it and really wish that I could as well. However, I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that you don't do not like something, even if it's Star Wars. Uh, I had a hard time doing that with the sequel trilogy. On that note, I should say that I love most of the TV shows that Disney has put out these last years. We've even got a couple of Swedish contributions to the Star Wars universe. I think Stellan Skarsgård is a great casting for Luthen and Ludwig Gorn. Ludwig Gordonson does some amazing work with the music for The Mandalorian. I hear that you have been going through some tough times, Halls, and I really do wish the best for you and Will. Thanks for the great work, guys. Your Swedish buddy, Oliver. By the way, are you and Steve planning on doing a Witcher 3 episode of High Potion? I would love that. Buddy, you do not know how... I've been keeping this from you all week. You do not know how happy it made me to get the notification that this email came through three days ago. I was like, he's right. still out there. We still have a fan in Sweden. Um, so, Oliver, yes, we will be doing a Witcher 3 episode. It is, it is in the cards. We're just waiting for that next-gen patch to come out, and then we're going to replay the Witcher 3 again and do an episode. So, Such a good game. It is. All right, next up, we got an email from Mama Burkhart. Hello, Halls and Will. This is Mama Burkhart. I just wanted to let y'all know that I am now binging The Last Kingdom. This one is taking a little longer because the episodes are longer, and it has five Mm. seasons. I'm on the second season and the sixth episode. I'm loving it. Just wanted to let everyone know that while I'm binging, I'm also working. Didn't want y'all to think that the only thing I do is sit and watch TV all day. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> will and halls i'm still waiting on y'all to set up a lunch or dinner date so i can see you as I always know. i love your podcast love mama burkhart love you too mom Aww. she just she had to say hey man look i don't just sit around listen watching tv all day all right you don't have to defend yourself you don't you have to do. no all right next up we got an email from jess jess by the way who made our kick-ass uh blue harvest lo-fi song oh awesome uh, thank you guys for the kind words each week when you play the lo-fi Blue Harvest theme. It always puts a big dumb grin on my face that you enjoy it as much as you do. I fully, yeah. in, I fully intend to release future editions with different audio clips. In fact, oh, shit. shit. In fact, I have a black backlog of new ones ready to go. This thing should be a living and breathing jam, and it will be as long as I have breath in my lungs. Fuck oh my yeah. goodness. I'm so excited right now. P.S. The first Andor soundtrack dropped this week. Have you guys listened to it yet? That Luthen theme, theme slaps. Um, by the way, Jess, I've been playing your jam on my stream because, you know, if you're going to play music, you got to n- not play shit you can get copyrighted for. So your, 
your jam has been throwing up on my stream like at least once a stream, but more than likely multiple times a stream. Um, I have listened to a little of the pop, the the soundtrack. I haven't given it a full deep dive, but I intend to because I really like the music in Andor. It is very good. Um, all right, we got one last email. This is from our buddy, Mister One Hundred. Kobe, Kobe. Also a a uh, dedicated stream viewer. Uh, so thanks for that, Kobe. Mm -hmm. He says, "Hey, Halls and Will, I got busy this week and forgot to record a voicemail, so you are spared from hearing my voice this week. I'll use this opportunity to make it short. Just wanted to say you guys are awesome and the best, most kick-ass dudes on the planet. Thanks for always oh, being man. positive, fun, and inviting. Love the podcast, the streams, and all the interactions along the way." I know things get rough for you both, especially recently, but just know that we, the Moisture Farmers, appreciate and love you fellas like family. Keep kicking ass and talking Star Wars. You're the best. Your buddy, Kobe. Thank you, buddy. I really appreciate that. Like, if if we didn't have all you kick-ass people, you know, sending in voicemails and emails and stuff, like, this would be a much lesser experience than we've had over the last seven years. Soon uh, to be... I mean Soon to be eight years. I mean, a lot of the times we talk about you and me, you know, bantering on the podcast. But honestly, our fan base are great at the banter and the messages they send us and the voicemails yeah, and the emails. Like they, We have one of the greatest set of fans that yeah. I've ever encountered. The listeners, like the little like community that we've sort of been able to establish with the show is, is the thing I'm most proud about, right? Like... Yeah, the listeners and the friends of the show. Yeah, I that's love what that I'm, we have yeah, other like, podcasting friends of the show. You know, I'm a little nervous, buddy. That so, like, we're going to be hitting eight years next year, then mm -hmm. two years later in 2025 will be ten years. I'm really afraid that I'm going to wake up and find out that you left me to go po podcast with the bad motivators. That that ten year number seems to be bad luck for me. My man, I'm just joking. in the words of Barbara Burkhart. We don't need no motivators. We don't need like no that. motivators like that around here. All right, guys. Well, listen, we're going to cut it there. Thank you guys so much for listening. Leave us a review on iTunes, please. It helps other people find us. Check out Stone Cobra if you like uh, the band that was kind enough to provide the music. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonecobra.bandcamp.com. Check out me and Steve talking about video games on the High Potion Podcast next week. We, we're, I assume we're just going to have one episode of Andor to talk about. Maybe some news. Maybe they're going to be like, hey, guess... Guess who got cast? The the first cast member for the Damon Lindelof Star Wars movie is announced, and it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm. That's when I know that I'm living in, like, that fucking Tom Cruise movie. You're in the Matrix. Yeah, Vanilla Sky shit going on. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Hall Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the force be with all of you. Ah!